previously on Star Trek. Captain's Log Supplemental. We have arrived at the edge of the neutral zone, where we will now have an opportunity to learn firsthand what happened to our distant outpost. Captain, there is nothing left of Outpost Delta-05. Must have been one hell of an explosion. Sensors indicate no evidence of conventional attack. Can you determine what happened? The outpost was not just destroyed. It's as though some great force just scooped it off the face of the planet. Trila Scott said you made Captain faster than anyone in Starfleet history, present company included. You that good? Yes, I am. Starfleet's finest. Fancy meeting you here. We all came secretly, Picard, to discuss the threat. What threat? Some of us at Starfleet Command became suspicious of certain problems in the Federation. What kind of problem? Someone or something is trying to destroy the fabric of everything we've built up in the last 200 years. Remember what you told me back at Rover 7 about the threat that you perceived to the very fabric of the Federation? Is that why you're here, because of what I said? It's one of the reasons, yes. But Jean-Luc, you took me far too literally. I was only referring to the problems involved in assimilating new races into the Federation. It's not Gregory Quinn. They look like him and sound like him, but it isn't him. The ship is strangely generalized in design. There is no specific bridge, no command center. There is no engineering section. You're familiar with this life form? Yes. My people encountered them a century ago. They destroyed our cities. Scattered my people throughout the galaxy. They're called the Borg. Protect yourself, Captain, or they'll destroy you. You're nothing to him. He's not interested in your life form. He's here to analyze your technology. Captain, we've entered what appears to be the Borg nursery. From the look of it, the Borg are born as a biological life form. What's in the case? There remains much scientific study to be done. After all, it is a superior form of life. Superior? Totally. What do you know of conspiracies, Captain? Not nearly enough, I suppose. That's the charming thing about them, isn't it? When a machination is real, no one knows about it. And when it's suspected, it's almost never real. A parasitic being has invaded Quinn's body. It has complete control over all brain functions. It seems to breathe through a small gill protruding from the back of Quinn's neck. Look for this, Captain. I believe it will be visible on anyone who has been compromised. We mean you no harm. We seek peaceful coexistence. You can't outrun them, you can't destroy them. If you damage them, the essence of what they are remains. They regenerate and keep coming. Eventually you will weaken, your reserves will be gone. They are relentless. Starfleet reports it has engaged the Borg at Wolf 359, sir. Admiral Hanson on subspace, Captain. On screen. 
Admiral? Finders are go well, Enterprise. We're attempting to withdraw and regroup. Rendezvous with fleet. The fleet? No active subspace fields. Negligible power readings. Life signs? Negative, sir. Where? Captain Scott, good. Now the setting is complete. You don't really think we were in the dark about your intentions, do you? Patience is one of our virtues, Captain. We didn't go after you. We allowed you to come after us. More dramatic that way, don't you think? Yes. The one thing both races share is a love of theater. And you've put on a fine show. What race are you? Where are you from? It's not important. Let us just say... We've come a long way It's a perfect match. We're the brains, you're the broad. Why? Why? Why, to give you a taste of your future, a preview of things to come. Con permiso, Capitan. The hall is rented, the orchestra engaged. It's now time to see if you can dance. Q set a series of events into motion, bringing your contact with the Borg much sooner than it should have come. Since they're aware of your existence, they will be coming. When they decide to come, they're going to come in force. They don't do anything piecemeal. Captain. I have attempted to trace the message Remick was sending. I believe it was aimed at an unexplored sector of our galaxy. Any idea what the message was, Data? I believe it was a beacon. A beacon? Yes, sir. A homing beacon sent from Earth. The sword is an idea. It's the answer to a question, nothing more. Why did the Borg only send one cube? And now, the continuation. grandparents a video for Mother's Day. Oh, okay. Hello, au revoir. That's French. Very nice. What's that stick you're holding, Isaac? This is my phaser. Oh, I see. Are you and your brother playing Starfleet, Ryla? We're not playing, Dad. We're training. We gotta stop the clans from taking over New Logan. Counselor Sabe just invited us down to the last ditch, Tita. That's French, too. 
Do the noise. Do the noise, Daddy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Here we are. The Hall of Ancient Thought. Where's Kapow? I don't know, Anzana Isaac. Oh no. What? What is it? Look out. It's a Kurong platoon. It's a trap, Isaac. They're shooting at us. Get to cover. Don't worry, Trila. I'll protect you. Oh. Space, the infinite darkness. Our civilization is a flickering candle in a howling wind. The endless night slouches ever closer. The threat of Armageddon now hangs by a horsehair. The hour is black, and we have no hope except ourselves. Starring Larry Phelan as Commander Alcar Dovan. Gareth Boley as Lieutenant Commander Joshua Underwood. Caitlin Haney as Lieutenant Asuka Yabari. Michael Liebman as Mr. Alex Roll. And Julian Bain as Mr. Isaac Brahms. Star Trek Excelsior proudly presents The Sword of Damocles, Part 6. The Man from Syracuse. We forgot Leo was coming back with the drinks, right? <laughs> oh no. So he, he hits the tripwire and the cake explodes. I'll bet he wasn't happy. But then the best part, then Neva looks up at him, frosting is dripping out of his nostrils and just deadpan she goes, the worst part is it's not actually my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> You only knew her for three weeks. I know. And with all those stories... Tell me about Alex Lorac. I, um... I never said a nice word to him in my life. Never even told him the truth. You lied to him for a whole month? Not lied. Just didn't tell the... Oh, don't stop on our account. What's going on? Captain, should you be out of sickbay? No. Answer his question. We're, uh... Planning the funeral, sirs, for the away team. It'll wait. Sir? It will wait. I can't afford my senior staff time to grieve when we have a mission to accomplish. For now, I don't want to hear the name Alex Lorak. But, sir... Yes, sir. Come on, Lieutenant. It's time to show in our former employer. Fine. You just don't want to deal with it, do you? No. I understand. I wish that helped. Sorry. Thanks. We still have the Excelsior. Yes, but we've lost a lot. And we still have a lot to fight for. 
You're right. Yeah, you're right. Well, that's almost worth a smile. Lieutenant Yubari, transferring custody of the prisoner. Guest. Hello, sir. Hello, Asuka. I have custody. You stand relieved, Ensign. Lieutenant Rawl, welcome back. That will be all, Mr. Ma'am. Isaac? Hello again, Mr. Uh, well, I suppose I have to call you sir now. How about Alex? That was brave of you using the Renegade's warp trail to accelerate your fighters. It was brave of you to let us. Alex, I never wanted to kill you. No. I know you didn't, Isaac. You never do. I don't want an explanation. Well, I do. For everything. You're going to get one. I'm sorry, Asuka. You're apologizing? Not because of what I did, no. Because you're going to get an explanation. I had hoped to spare you that. Keep your charity, General. It's not worth very much these days. Brahms, sit. Thank you. So, why did you kill Leo Amara? Commander, I was looking forward to another one of our repartees. We're not having fun this time, Brahms. Half my senior staff is dead. Tragic as that is, your officers were fortunate. The rest of us have to live through what happens next. Is that how you justified the New Victoria Massacre, Brahms? Everybody dies, so why not today? At least it's a philosophy. You just launched Galactic Ragnarok out of big-headedness. Gentlemen, please! Why don't we start by reminding me who Leo Amara is, hmm? Keep up, Underwood. Leo Amara was the Excelsior's Chief of Special Operations. He was murdered during the trip home from Valandria on Brahms's orders. Isn't that right, General? I no longer hold that rank, or any rank. I'm just Mr. Brahms now. Hmm, is that so? It was the first successful prosecution of a member of my section in over 100 years. Which is why I was ordered to apprehend him when he escaped. Well, it's not every day the Jag encounters a man with your special charms, Brahms. Now let's please talk about Leo... You don't deny you ordered his murder. It wasn't murder. It was an execution. Oh, well, that makes it all right then. Leo Amara was a well-meaning spy. Unfortunately, the law of espionage has little concern for intent. Mr. Amara. I can't believe I'm talking to you. Mr. Amara. When I was at the Academy, I signed a petition to charge you with treason. Mr. Amara. Look at 
I'm glad there are people like you at the service academies. You wanted to charge me with treason, which means at least you still know what treason is. Too many of your superior officers don't. I had forgotten myself until a few days ago. Which brings us back to our topic. How can the Centauri Free Press help you inform the public, Lieutenant Leo Amara? Don't euphemise this, Caxton. Not a euphemism, a matter of perspective. A leak. A leak that could cost trillions of people their lives. Then why are you speaking to me? Because I can't bear the alternative. Because I'm weak. The Federation was founded on that kind of weakness. Oh, stow it, Caxton. You have no idea what you're talking about. You think the reporter who spent 40 years trying to expose Starfleet intelligence doesn't know what he's talking about? You said it was a document. Fragments, Caxton. Fragments of something bigger. They call it the, um, let me just check. Nicatic manuscript. Took every favour I had to get what I did. And? It's damning. It's not just the genetic control. It's not just the death squads, Caxton. Do you remember the Yorktown? It wasn't just I lost... I want to hear it, Amara. You've already said too much for subspace. Oh, come on, Caxton. I'm in charge of a special operations team. This channel is as secure as a Vulcan's promise. Fine. Call me paranoid, but you wouldn't be my first source to get killed in an accident the night before I go to press. I'll be careful. Can I give you a word of advice? Please. Find an ally. Someone you can talk to. To watch your back. Insurance. I'm in touch with David Robbins at the Manor Science Don't Station. Don't give away his name, Christ! And it should be someone on the ship with you. Someone very close. Julian Bashir told me the exact same thing. That's because it's damn good advice, kid. Our uh, piggyback is closing. Listen, the Excelsior's going to be done at Valandria tomorrow. Zephram Square, New Proxima, two weeks. I'll be there. Good luck, kid. Amara out. And? And what? And you killed him for talking to a reporter? Did you hear the part about trillions of people dying? So, you decided to kill a few yourself. I mean, death squads. Really? That's a misnomer at best. So you didn't have a squad whose job was to kill people? The needs of the many outweighed- The needs of the many? Jehoshaphat, Brahms. You can justify anything with that. The point is, Mr. Amara did not agree. Amara was a loyal officer. I... I don't know what happened. I do. What? I was part of that death squad. And a few nights before the Excelsior first left space dock, we had dinner together. No, really, Anson. You should try this. I will demur. Oh, come on, Takala. Don't be such a Vulcan. Oh, hang on, hang on. I remember this dinner. The Chow Hall down in Marine Country. It was Amara, Ensign Takala, you, Mr. Rawl. And come to think of it, that was the Major, wasn't it? Back then, he was Marine Captain Ryan Willis. What? 
The Major has a name? Surprise. Oh, come on, Takala. Don't be such a Vulcan. Every substance must conform to Uh-oh. Vulcan philosophy. Bet they love that in engineering. They... do not. How are you integrating down there? They suspect nothing. However, I've had to give Mr. Hermes extracurricular instruction on the finer points of the dilithium matrix. His errors may yet expose us before we even leave space dock. <sighs> yet... The other engineers seem to prefer his company to mine. <laughs> there may be a lesson there, Takala. Yes. Non-Vulcans are irrational and dangerous. Mr. Amara, something wrong? Hmm? Usually you'd be the first one teasing Takala. I'm... I'm just not in the mood. It's illogical. Your admission is appreciated, but uncharacteristic. Don't be reticent with the team, sir. The mission is too important. Well, that's the trouble, isn't it, Captain? How do we know that this mission is important enough to justify what we've been asked to do? We belong to a chain of command who have vetted oh, this... Oh, you mean the chaps who sent us into the blender on the Anbar mission? No one could have predicted the bug bomb. Exactly. Exactly. The stakes were high enough on the Anbar when it was our lives on the line. And I'm happy to do that every day until the day I make the ultimate sacrifice for Starfleet. But now... General Brahms is asking me to put my blind trust in him. To have faith that something's going on that's so important, it might end with us murdering an entire Starfleet crew. That's what this is about, isn't it? Never mind the fact that we blow up when the Excelsior does. We're going to be taking a thousand innocent people with us. It won't come to that, sir. Our squad is a last-ditch firewall. If the real operation goes bad... Whatever it is. If Captain Cortez can't handle it, if an infestation turns up, and if our handler gives the code word, the odds of us actually having to destruct the Excelsior are... It won't happen. Lieutenant, if the probability were not non-negligible, our presence here would be unnecessary. Indeed. Mr. Amara refers to a grave moral quandary. Don't get me wrong. I've killed a lot of bad guys before, and I have considered it... A privilege to dispatch every single one of them. But these aren't the bad guys. These are the people we've sworn to protect. I hear you. When I took my oath, I never expected my duties to crew and country would ever conflict. But it does. And this isn't the first time. I like to remind myself that these people all swore the same oath. And given the choice, they'd all gladly lay down their lives for their countrymen just as we are. That's what makes the Federation great. That's what makes these people worth dying for in the first place. Well said, sir. Our enemies will go to any lengths to destroy us, sir. So our society, the greatest society in the history of this galaxy, must go to any lengths to defend itself. Any lengths. What if it were a civilian transport, not a starship? Then our duty would get... harder. That's it? The same principle applies. The same. Higher duty. Well, I don't know if it's higher. It's probably the lowest, most monstrous duty there is. Saving the innocent by killing other innocents. But they need us to do it. And deep down, they want us to do it. They do? In my experience, every single one of them. Excuse me. Commander Dobin. 
Mr. Amara, Mr. Rawl, I'm afraid I haven't met you other two yet. Ensign Takala, sir. What occasions your visit to Marine Country? Just getting to know the crew. May I sit? Of sir, course, no, sir. sir. You can have my seat, sir. I have another matter to attend to. I'm sorry. Did, did I interrupt something? I'm afraid so. Don't worry, Lieutenant. I'll talk to him. His team's in Marine Division. I'll see him tonight at the... <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Surprise inspection. I'm not sure he'll listen, sir. <laughs> what choice does he have? As Captain Cortez for his own department? Oh, yes. Dismissed. Gosh, I misreplicated food. Don't you live on a farm world? Home cookies. A few days later, he slipped me a computer chip and hinted about my genetic control. He wanted an ally. He got murdered. I see. It seems that the Valandria operation induced a disproportionate number of sudden attacks of conscience. You took us over a line, Isaac. A line even I hadn't crossed since the Yorktown. I ordered no more than what had to be done to protect Trilas. To protect the Federation. That may be. But in the end, it was too much. You asked Amara to destroy his own ship without even telling him why. It was for his own protection. Even Captain Cortez came to understand that. Captain Cortez knew about this? Not as such. Thought not. Absolutely not. I won't hear of it again. General, Lieutenant Yubari has sworn an oath to protect... Exactly. You don't trust her? No, I trust her completely. She has sworn that oath, and I promise you she will die for it, Mr. Cortez. If we tell her the reason for her surveillance on board the Excelsior, she would take that secret to her grave. Then why... Because no one should have to live with that knowledge. Tell me, do Vulcans have nightmares, Captain? I'm only... Half Vulcan. I'll take that as an answer, because humans certainly do. I thought that when I found out what was out there, just beyond the black of our frontiers, I thought I would finally get a full night's sleep again. That was five years ago. I'm not going to subject Asuka to that. Unless you do explain it to her, she's going to be very disturbed by her orders. Surveillance of every man, woman, and other on the Excelsior? That sounds like a police state. Until you know about the Bluegills. She knows I wouldn't order anything more than necessary. She also knows about that any lengths philosophy you have. Which you share. I haven't been pushed far enough to find that out. You shot Captain Suresh. I didn't think anyone wearing Starfleet Red was capable of that. I only did what was logical, General. That's what I'm counting on. What if Yubari does find something? Do I tell her then? No, there will be other safeguards aboard the Excelsior to deal with that. Eventuality. I don't like the sound of that. Of course not. Tolerate it. That's an order. I have a duty to investigate. By all means, you'll find nothing. Now. 
Mr. David Robbins has taken leave of the Sizemore to get your covert sensor array installed. It should be ready by the time you arrive to take command of the Excelsior. You have the scanning area committed to memory? 114 Mark 388 Mark 8, 67 light years from the gateway. If the Anbar mission compromised us in any way, we'll see it. How'd the Admiralty like the Belandria mission proposal? That was a stroke of genius, Captain. It eliminated every command candidate in front of you. Puts you in a perfect position to perform the scans. And they haven't the least suspicion. Then it's already been approved. Yes. Try to look surprised when you get your orders. Particularly if it's Admiral Parker. I can't figure out how much he knows. But I'm certainly it's more than he lets on. <sighs> this whole mission is a convoluted mess. The risk we took to get to the Anbar were insane. And Suresh was almost our undoing. Now we can't stop looking over our shoulder to see if they found us. Convoluted? Maybe. But it's worth it. The intel we've got from the Anbar survivors, even the children, it's been invaluable. I know, I know. And if we're lucky, your mission is about to prove we escaped scot-free. Well, it's not quite how I envisioned my first command. But I can't deny I'm looking forward to it. Thank you, General. Don't thank me yet. Yubari will be handing you high-resolution scans of everything. Not just the war zone, but internal surveillance and shipboard communications as well. She's a trained analyst, but she won't even know about some of the scans she's performing, much less what they represent. So we are counting on you, codename Syracuse. If there's been a breach, you have to identify it all on your own. I know. And before you say it, a breach is an information leak or a development in the war just as much as an actual bluegill infiltration. Well, have you taught me your mild paranoia? Hmm. Mild. Touché. Will that be all? Not quite. Analyst here to see you, sir. Right on time. Send her in. General, if you do not let me build an agony booth for M. Wilkerson and his entire Lieutenant team... Lieutenant Asuka so Yubari... I'd like you to meet Captain Rachel Cortez. Oh. Um. Ma'am. Captain will be fine, Lieutenant. I'm glad to finally meet you. I've heard so much. Well, that's interesting, because no one's told me anything about you. Then I'll let the two of you discuss it. It should be fascinating, General. Good day, Captain. Dismissed. Here, General. I knew you'd be running out of coffee about now. Madam Roctagino. Hmm. That's why you're my favorite analyst, Yubari. Now, what was that about torturing Admiral Wilkerson? Oh, and do you want anything to drink? Irinella? Not today. My arm is... The pain's that bad? Again? Asuka. Look, I know. Let's just... Let's focus on work. Sorry. So, Admiral Wilkerson. You haven't found the Devil's Heart, have you? Actually, yes, I have, if he'd stop being such a patak about Project Timepiece. But first, what does Captain Cortez know about me? Only good things. I wanted to give your field handler a favorable impression. Field handler? General. But the objections from your colleagues... Now, it's not a huge assignment. Routine SNS. Scout and surveil. Absolute secrecy, of course, but not physically exerting. I didn't expect a posting on your secret starship the first time out of the nest. What's the operation? 
There are a lot of details, but I think the most unusual thing is the rules of engagement. Meaning? You are not to break cover for any reason. If you are shot and dying and they need your blood type for a transfusion, you give them the blood type of your cover identity. This must remain secret. Do you understand? Yes, General. No! How could I? You sent me into omission without telling me all the facts! It was for your own protection. Brahms, are you capable of arguing in anything other than clichés? I trusted you, Asuka. Better. You murdered our officers! I did what was necessary! Ah, slipping. Isaac, we've been telling this story backwards. I think we need to start from the beginning. I thought it would be easier this way. All we've been doing is hinting at the nightmare. They need to live it. So be it. Come on, Isaac. But it's cold out there. Dad said we can only camp out back if we're on the buddy system. So get your sleeping bag and get out here. That's an order inside Isaac. Yes, sir. Captain's log. Stardate. 5188.5. The away team is present and accounted for. So I hereby declare the Stellar Science Sleepover officially in session. Whoa. The stars really come out this time of night. Mom said you can stay up till 9.30 if you can keep your eyes open. What are they all called? Well, you see those ones there? They're the Big Dipper. Usa Meja in French. Yeah. What are they all called? Like, what's that one? That one at the end? Yeah. That's Alcade. The Alcadians have been at war for ten years. When they give me a starship, we're going to go there and end it. You mean like the police? No, not like that. When I leave, all the Alcadians are going to be friends. Did you decide what the name's going to be? Yeah. There's a cool quote I found from a dead captain named Kirk. He was trying to save his friend, but his boss told him no. So Kirk said, The word is no. I am therefore going anyway. That's going to be Mars Starship's main quote. So we're going to call her the USS Renegade. It means breaking the rules, just like Kirk. Can I come on your ship? Well, yeah. Who else can be my science officer? And Mom and Dad can be the flyers. And Sam Scott from school will be the doctor. Yuck. Sam Scott? You're a crush? He's cute. Blah. Well, you're gonna have to get used to him, Isaac. Because he's gonna be on our ship. And we're gonna make treaties and discover all sorts of new science. And meet everyone who lives up there. And what we do... It'll last until the stars go out. How? Because we'll be building part of the Federation, Isaac. Remember that song we learned in school? Once you're in the Federation, you're friends forever. Wait, you're saying you have a family? You ask as though the idea never occurred to you. It didn't. We asked for the Sword of Damocles, Brahms, not your life story. That is a distinction without a difference, Commander. 
My sister was already on active duty by the time I made it to Stanford. A lieutenant commander when I started my dissertation on Sabitha signals. Two months after she got married, I got my doctorate in astrophysics and joined Starfleet Academy. I was 32 years old and still following our childhood plan until October 10th, 2364. Until my sister died. October 10th? The same day all those people died at Starfleet headquarters. No. Ten people and three admirals supposedly had heart attacks that day, but only two died. Dexter Remick was one of them, and the other... But that's impossible. The other was Captain Trila Scott of the USS Renegade, the youngest captain in history, scholar, diplomat, explorer. Your security officers who escorted me here, they're both from races that she brought into the Federation. She was my sister. Don't be obscene. I wouldn't dare. Go on. They told me it was a routine surgery for an undiagnosed heart defect. She died on the table, they said. But I knew it was a lie. How? Nine other heart surgeries in one day? Too far-fetched for Isaac Brahms. Ha! Dovan, I was a scientist. Paranoia was someone else's job. I knew it was a lie because the woman who forged the Alcadian Accords doesn't just give up and die on an operating table. So I gave myself a lesson in paranoia. And once I opened my eyes, there was there was the conspiracy plain as day. You see, Mr. Dovan, while we were taking lecture notes in Tuvok's protocol class, Starfleet was infiltrated by the very same neuroparasites you face today. Dexter Remnick was host to the Queen Organism, and the Enterprise team had no choice. They had to kill him. But Trila... The others all lived. Their bluegills fled their bodies and their medics got to them in time. But... Trila... Commander William Riker... shot her in... just the wrong place. And she died. I'm... I'm sorry for your loss, General. I dug. I kept digging. It was all I could do. But I was putting together a jigsaw blindfolded. It took time, and yet the pieces. No more how impossible they seemed, they kept fitting themselves together. Eventually I noticed that all the missing pieces were leading me back to one man. The new Inspector General's adjutant, Dexter Remick's successor. The inspector office was keeping something hushed up even from the people who were supposed to be in the know. Another conspiracy. I tried to ignore it. Tried to move on to the next stage of grief. I'm a scientist, not a spy. But then I remembered what Trila had died for. What she'd lived for. A federation she believed would last forever. That federation she had loved and nurtured was threatened again. There was only one thing to do. I waited for the adjutant to leave Earth. Then I broke into his quarters. This is Cadet Isaac Brahms, Gold Squad, C Company. In the event of my death, let this document stand as a record to the evidence of alien infiltration at the very heart of the Federation. If you're seeing this, You've already seen my other evidence. 
I'm now in the apartment of the Inspector General's adjutant. It is November the 2nd, 2364. The time is... 11 past 9 in the morning, and, and I... I've just broken into his encrypted database. It's all here. The missing files. Coordinates. Tactical maps. Frequency analysis. Could take a whole while to analyze this. I hope my camera's getting it all. This is hard proof of... Oh! My God, he's here! I, I am going onto the bed and not much, but it's all I have. One lump or two, Mr. Brahms. What? I don't... In your tea. Chamomile. Just the way your mother makes it. You always take sugar, but two lumps on a stressful day. Under the bed is not the best hiding place. You can kill me, but if you do, the data on your computer goes out to the whole world. Two lumps, then. I just want to talk, cadet. Like hell you do. <laughs> Damn you. Let me go. Since this is tiring for both of us, I'll cut to the chase, cadet. Can I offer you a job? What? A job. In intelligence. We've been watching you, cadet, and we need you. Me? We were attacked, Isaac Brahms. We were attacked, and they killed the best person we have. Who better to hold back the darkness than her brother? What darkness? If you're not part of the invasion, which I still intend to prove... It was a homing beacon sent from Earth. That's the secret my unit has been guarding, Cadet. Not another invasion, but the promise of one. They're coming back. Soon. We need the brave. We need the bold. We need the brilliant. Or the Federation will fail. That can never happen. Only because of people like you and me, Cadet. People willing to break the rules. And my kitchen window. To risk their lives for everyone else. Like Tryla. So, you want a job? Sorry, you worked for Rawl? He was 15 years my junior, and the best commander I ever had. The only commander you ever had? Just... What kind of a job did you offer him, Lieutenant? Well, interesting question. Who here knows the story of the Sword of Damocles? Aren't we here because we don't? He's referring to the legend. Oh, is this some kind of Earth thing? Something like that. Greek. It was Greek. Yes, it was, Asuka. Damocles was at a banquet with the king. King Dionysius of Syracuse. Yes. He was jealous of all the good things the king had. So the king agreed to trade places with Damocles. Damocles... I can't remember. He feasted. Wine, women, and song. They treated him like a king and he loved it. Until he looked up. And saw a sword dangling over his head, hanging by a single horsehair. 
He lost his appetite. As I lost mine, the day I joined Alex Roll, the day I discovered what we truly face. So we've been waiting 20 years for the horsehair to snap, for the bluegill attack to come? <laughs> Were it so easy, Dovan? Pardon? Three weeks later, we were attacked. I'm sorry, gentlemen. You can't enter the city. Alex Rome, Inspector General's office. My badge. I see. What about you? I have He's a... with me, Commander. They're drawing an incredibly large perimeter around the ruined cities. We can't be less than two miles from the center of town. With respect, sir, I think you should slow down before you go over that... Holy hell! ...that rise, sir. Great bird. I've read the reports, but there's literally nothing left of Benteen City. Other than the crater, and I... I've never seen a crater that large. It's not radioactive, is it? It was clear this morning. And it's clear now, sir. Just an odd magnetic resonance frequency. This outpost was using an experimental power source, a pan-dimensional vortex inducer. If it blew up, it would have left a crater the size of Nevada. That doesn't explain how a dozen other outposts along the neutral zone were scooped off the faces of ten planets. But it might make a good cover story. Keep it in mind. At least we know it wasn't the Romulans. Romulans are nothing, Isaac. I'd rather have two Romulan wars than one of these attacks. We have twelve. Twenty if you count the Romulan colonies. Then you're sure it's the Bluegills? Just the opposite, actually. That's what has me scared. I don't follow. It's another race. Someone else trying to kill us. And, well, just look at that crater. If you're right. But there's no evidence of that. Take off the science goggles, Isaac, and look at this crater. The Bluegills infiltrated. They softened us. Opened our belly up wide. The goal was to make it easy to conquer the Federation. Whoever did this didn't give a Klingon's brain about conquering anything. They came to scoop every gram of advanced technology off the face of the planet, and they did quite a job of it. There's still no evidence. Command won't accept your theory. Doesn't matter. I'm right. Come on, Isaac. We have work to do. From that day forward, we were possessed by a nameless dread. Things were out there, and we didn't know what or how we could hope to stop them. Starfleet needed intelligence more desperately than it needed it in the depths of the Dominion War, and we had none to give them. But what about... Hush, Underwood. We worked day and night for months. I chased rumors on the Outer Rim, trying to discover the fate of a starship called the Raven. Isaac traced the homing signal Dexter Remick had transmitted. A PhD in astrophysics helped... But it was brutal work, and when it was finished, I found we had a dead end. Remick's beacon was directed at a location deep in the Delta Quadrant, nearly the opposite side of the galaxy, decades out of reach. Then Roll got the news. An earthquake on an unexplored planet beyond the Outer Rim, Nakos. The quake uncovered a ruined city on the order of tens of millions of years old, and the entire planet began to send out a low-level EM signal. If it was a message, we were never able to translate it. But after three weeks, the Starfleet archaeology team discovered a manuscript in the ruins. It was unreadable, undateable. 
but pages 35 through 47 consisted of detailed medical diagrams of a bluegill. We rounded up a skeleton crew, borrowed the courier USS Kalina, in for a refit. She was barely spaceworthy, but she could hit warp 9.6. That was all that mattered. Commencing night watch, stardate 42297.2. First Lieutenant Isaac Brahms commanding. ETA to Nakos. Five hours, thirty minutes. Picking up a distress call. What? Origin. It's Pinakos. Captain to bridge. Emergency. Sir, should we answer the hail? Oh. Oh, yes. On screen. Noted. This is Acting Captain Isaac Brahms of the Starfleet Courier Kalina. Are you in distress? Are you in distress, Nakos? This is Dr. Harley Warren, Special Science Team. We're archaeologists, for God's sake. We're under attack. Hurry! We're on our way. Helm, increase speed to warp 9.8. No one's ever gone that fast, sir. Damn the record books, Tactical. Push her till she breaks. You need to get here, Captain. Our lives... Our lives... But the Federation must have the data we collected. Why? What have you found? We were able to translate two pages of the manuscript. Secrets. Terrible secrets. No man should know these things. And like fools, like scientists, we kept going. Now we're swarming with... Can I say their name on an open channel? They've taken two of us. I've shot Dr. Pickman. Stay calm, Doctor. Evacuate your camp if you must. Nothing is more important than your life. Where do you think we're calling from? We tried. Two of my colleagues ran screaming into the night to escape. Only there are things out there, Brahms. Things in the dark. Not even the manuscript speaks of. All we heard was the screaming. We'd never survive outside, not with our equipment. Leave it, Doctor. Leave it and go. Brahms? Understand. I understand perfectly, Doctor. I have the manuscript with me. I'm going to read out as much as I can before the comm... We will get to you in time, Doctor, and we will secure that intel. But you need to stay alive until we do. I'm not going to choose between a manuscript and all your lives. Now, get out of there! Thank you, Captain. We'll see you in a few hours. You'd better. Good luck. Out. Captain Rowe pushes to warp 9.83. Deck 4 was destroyed by inertial forces alone. When we entered orbit, the M signal had stopped and there were no life signs. But we found one. <laughs> Doctor, please, we need... Isaac, can you give him anything for the pain? By my reading, sir, this man should be lucid. Anything more will likely kill him. Fine. I'll try Garafine. I want the perimeter checked again. See if you can find out what happened to the advanced equipment. Noted. Doc, doctor. Doc, doc Har, Harley. Doctor Harley is dead. <laughs> Oh. A broken neck like the others. We don't know how. They... Uh, they weren't men. You mean the bluegills? No! The insects? No, 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 no! Who then? Who killed you all? In the dark! Machines in the dark! Uh. 
he's dead. All right, let's check the ruins again. Wait. Clenched in the palm of his hand. You're right. One page. One page of unreadable glyphs. That's all that's left of the manuscript. It's hardly fair. It's not a question of fairness. I chose this. What? They were going to read out the manuscript to me and wait for death. I told them to stay alive and tell us later. I thought that's what Trila would have done. Now we have nothing! Isaac. Let's get back to work. Machines in the dark. The Borg. Right? I assume. First the Bluegills, now the Borg. Brahms, are you just trying to scare us with Borg ghost stories? No. I'm trying to make you see the Borg with new eyes. With my eyes. The machines in the dark. Giving them a name almost makes them comprehensible. Makes them seem... beatable. We have beaten the Borg. Twice. At extreme cost. Don't you dare question that. With respect, sir. No, we haven't. You have something you want to say, Ubari. Say it. One of the biggest worries in the analyst community is our victory over the Borg. They attacked us, twice, with one cube. Both times, they destroyed over half our fleet. That's not a victory, sir. That's a down payment. When the Borg hit the neutral zone, they were testing us, a prelude to invasion. We failed spectacularly. Then they suddenly stopped making sense. From a fleet of thousands of cubes, they sent two in 18 years. Their offensive stopped dead. We were grateful for the reprieve, but terrified by what it might mean. Then the assimilation started. Started? It always surprises me how surprised people are about this. Not everyone has access to the Enterprise transcripts. Good point. Gentlemen, what the hell are you talking about? Until about 15 years ago, the Borg had no interest in assimilating individuals into their collective. Excuse me, what? Seconded. Technology, yes. Planets, yes. Resources, yes. People, no. When the Borg attacked Eloria, Guinan's people were exterminated, not assimilated. Only their technology was taken. When the Enterprise met the Borg at J25, the Borg were still only interested in their technology. When the Borg attacked the Neutral Zone, they didn't assimilate the outposts. They stripped the machine elements and destroyed the inhabitants. The same for Species 262 and 263. They were mined for knowledge, then exterminated. The first recorded example of the Borg trying to biologically assimilate an entire species was on Stardate 44002. The first attack on Earth? Exactly. When the Borg took Locutus and announced their intent to add humanity to their perfection, it was a watershed. Assimilation was a new strategy. One we could not begin to understand. Hold up. Hold up. It's a good story, Brahms, but this is a bridge too far. The Borg catchphrase is you will be assimilated, resistance is futile. It's not new. 
Every child from here to Minos Corva plays Borg Tag when they're little. I had a friend on the Bellerophon whose only pickup line was Assimilate This, which was frustratingly successful. The point is, the Borg do assimilation. I know it's not how you've ever seen the Borg, sir, but I implore you. If we are going to stop the Sword of Damocles, you have to put aside your preconceptions and trust the evidence. Cross this bridge, or you're useless to everyone. Isaac, let's go to the clips. Already. They never believe us until we play them. This is from the Enterprise's first encounter with the Borg. Isaac? The Borg is the ultimate user. They're unlike any threat your Federation has ever faced. They're not interested in political conquest, wealth, or power as you know it. They're simply interested in your ship, its technology. They've identified it as something they can consume. So, what? The Borg changed their whole paradigm after that? Exactly. The Borg have an overriding purpose to assimilate, Brahms. They didn't just change priorities one night. Funny you should use that phrase, sir. If you will surrender yourself or we will destroy your ship, your defensive capabilities are unable to withstand them. What the hell do they want with you? I thought they weren't interested in human life forms, only our technology. Their priorities seem to have changed. It was easier to understand this 20 years ago before the Borg had assimilated billions and billions of people in every quadrant of the galaxy. But it's still true. Until recently, assimilation was not widespread. But... All right, Dovin. Let's say you're right. How do you explain everything we've shown you tonight? I... uh... Oh, damn it. Isaac, cue up the next clip. No... But the Borg don't sexually reproduce. Or how did they fill their ranks before they developed assimilation? Drones don't sexually reproduce. But the Enterprise and the others have found maturation chambers used for the nurturing of normal Borg infants. Not drones. Not queens. If they're not drones and they're not queens, what are they? What they've always been, Commander. Machines in the dark. And why did the Borg start assimilating the entire galaxy? And? And? And why did they only send one cube? Finally, the right questions. We spent a decade chasing rumors, assembling what evidence we could into an ever-growing manuscript to replace the one we lost. But we had only hints. The closer we looked at the Borg operations, the less sense they made. Even rumor of the Bluegills was difficult to come by. Then eight years ago, the Federation discovered the Iconian Gateway. The one we used to explore this quadrant of the galaxy. Yes. Exploratory through a party, but so did we. Many years before, I had been recruited to help Alex Roll trace the Bluegill homing signal back to its source. It was out of reach. But the Gateway changed that. You were able to find the target of the homing beacon. Great bird. Where was it? Oh, this is where it gets good, Commander. This would be easier if we had a ship of our own. Well, rumor has it, and you didn't hear this from me, they finally started work on the Nosferatu. A few more years and who knows, they might give you the next one. I already know what we'll call her. 
This ship will serve our purposes for now. Captain Allen is a genius, and the Yorktown is a dreadnought, and it has marines coming out of its pores. I'd feel more comfortable if we had a better idea what's out there. Plunging into the unknown. If it weren't for all this, I'd be posted to some starship somewhere, holed up in an astrometrics lab doing this every single day. Just like Trilla did. Space is lovely, dark and deep, but I have promises to keep, and miles to go before I sleep, and miles miles to go before before I... Gentlemen, I was wondering when you'd get here. We're approaching the coordinates now. What do the scans say? Nothing yet. Just dark matter. About what we expected. Once we're inside the nebula, though... We'll be ready for anything. General, I've assigned an attaché to join you for the duration of your mission. Second Lieutenant Ryan Willis, Marines. Surveillance. Assistance. And here he is now. Sir. General, sir. That's me. Pleasure to meet you, Mr. Willis. General. Second Lieutenant Ryan Willis, reporting for duty, sir. At ease. We don't get the standard attention very often in the Intelligence Corps. Decidedly a perk. General Rawl, we're approaching the nebula. Dropping in. And penetrating the outer boundary now. Isaac? Picking up derelict spacecraft. Borg, sir. A lot of Borg. How many, Colonel? At least 1,500 cubes and rising. Tactical, yellow alert. Shields up. Aye, sir. Detecting smaller ships now. Numbers off the scale. Recalibrating. Derelicts, too? Scans show they were destroyed in battle. A battle? What goes up against thousands of Borg cubes? There's only one species I can think of with the numbers of the firepower. We found them. The homing signal led you back here, or here, to our nebula. And then we found the Borg and Bluegill fleets, drifting in space from a decade-old battle. Suddenly it all made sense. I'm afraid I still don't understand. Oh my god. Ah, it's just click with Asuka. But not with me. The Bluegills and the Borg fought a battle here. So what? Where is the Sword of Damocles? Falling. Eighteen years ago, the Federation had its first encounters with the two deadliest enemies it has ever faced. Eighteen years ago, both of them were preparing all-out invasions of the Federation. Both saw our vulnerabilities. Both saw how to exploit them. We had nothing, Captain. We were waiting for Doom on two fronts. And on both fronts, Doom stopped dead in his tracks almost simultaneously. Do you think that's a coincidence? I... uh... It was no coincidence. The Borg and the Bluegills stopped their offensive against the Federation because they both found more important targets. Each other. On second thought, maybe we should have brought a marine team. On a board cube, the smaller the team, the safer I feel. 
Sir, I thought this cube was dead, sir. Look at it, it's barely intact. It still has minimal power after all these years. And a board cube with power, Mr. Willis, is a board cube that is adapting. Hand me that cable. Sir. The generator is now connected to the Yorktown's main computer general. We have all the processing power we can use. Just be sure to keep it segregated from the board. If one of their programs jumps our firewall... That's physically impossible. These are the Borg. I know. Activate the link. Interfacing with cube computer systems now. All right. Let's see if we can get at the Borg database the easy way. Any idea what the database might look like in the Borg mainframe? Not the slightest. It seems as though the cube doesn't even store files. Not that we'd recognize it anyway. The data is all jumbled together. The crosslinks, almost random. More like a brain than a computer system. Yes, that's exactly it. I need more power or I'll never even find the right data sector. Are you sure it's safe? That's a joke, right? Okay, do it. Sir, these old codes just snapped on. We have biosign, sir. I thought this cube was dead. Not anymore. Willis, fall back. Your attack is futile. Your fleet's defensive capabilities are unable to withstand us. Willis, target that distribution node. No, hold. General. Board Collective, you're wrong. Our fleet has already defeated you. Analyze. We have adapted. You will submit to analysis of your biological and technological distinctiveness or be destroyed. Sir, what are you doing? They said fleet, Isaac, not ship. They don't know the battle's over. They think we're bluegills. Your time has ended. We have arrived. This galaxy belongs to us now. Location is irrelevant. Property is irrelevant. Your strategic advantage has been corrected. You will comply. We will not comply. Our life form is superior. Your cultures will adapt to serve the bluegills. Sir, we're being scanned. Five, six, one, eighty human. Neural parasite not present. Our secrecy is compromised. Notify, notify, notify. Fire, Marie. Fire. They're waking up. They must be joint power from our generator. How are they magnifying it like that? It doesn't matter. I'm shutting it down. Sir, get back. Alan to away team. The Borg cube just sent out a transmission. Roll here. We know. What did it say? It was heavily encrypted. There's no way anything but another Borg could read it. Good. Will the Borg ever receive it? Well, you lit up like a Christmas tree for a minute there, General. We don't know. It might not be strong enough to escape the nebula. But please, try not to do it again. Agreed. Roll out. Well, so much for the easy way. The Bluegills entered our galaxy just when the Borg seemed sure to conquer everything. The Bluegills challenged the Borg, and the two sides were evenly matched. Their war was dragged on into a stalemate bloodier than a thousand Dominion Wars. But the day that war ends... Winner takes galaxy. And nothing can stop them. The Federation has survived. All life in this galaxy has survived. Because for 20 years, the two races that could annihilate us have been too busy fighting each other. That's the Sword of Damocles, Dovan. Not a place, not a thing, 
but an idea, a fact. So the Borg only sent one cube because, what, their fleet is tied up on the front lines? Yes, both fleets are. It is the longest battle front in the galaxy, and the war has wiped out hundreds of civilizations in no man's land. Everything else within 10,000 light years has been either infested or assimilated. The nebula we're in anchors the extreme edge of the Bluegill defensive position. Still, the Borg could easily spare a few cubes to take the Federation. So could the Bluegills. Why don't they? Consider all the Cold Wars throughout history, Captain. When the Klingons invaded Yantara, when the Soviets put missiles in Cuba, it nearly plunged all sides into a mutually destructive final war. If the Borg or the Bluegills made a dramatic move outside their recognized spheres of influence... If they assimilated Vulcan or infested the Jem'Hadar, it'd be the 24th century version of invading Poland. Except we're Poland. Exactly. But the biggest reason neither side has attacked us is because they don't care. By far, their most attractive targets are each other. The rest of us are simply dessert. So, those two cubes they used to attack Earth? Was that just a prank? Or do they really, really, really want Earth? Because humans are the universe's specialest flower. We thought that. Honestly, for several years, everyone did. You should have seen the Vulcan studies trying to find what made us so attractive to the Borg. Eventually, we realized the Borg didn't want us because we were special. They wanted us because we weren't. We know of some early experiments in assimilation. The Hansen family, the USS Tombaugh. Eventually, we noticed what they all had in common. They targeted humans. The Borg needed assimilation. The war was depleting their numbers and the Bluegills could replace their troops instantly. Earth was isolated, on the opposite end of the galaxy. So far from their war, it'd take months for the Bluegills to hear about an attack. And humans, it turns out, are extremely susceptible to nanoprobes. Humanity was the testbed. The Borg only sent one cube to Earth because the Borg didn't care if they assimilated it. They only wanted to refine the technology. Assimilation succeeded. We can be thankful that their later experiment in time travel did not. Okay. Okay. That's it? Yeah. Apparently, the Sword of Damocles has been hanging over my head for half my life. Now I know about it. But nothing's changed. None of it answers the only real question I've asked you. You're just dancing around it. Commander! Let him vent, Mr. Underwood. He's beginning to realize the magnitude of what he's done. What's your question, Dovan? Why kill Leo Amara? Why so secret, Brahms? You killed 9,000 people on New Victoria. Why? We didn't understand the secrecy ourselves at first. This war has devastated much of our galaxy. Why haven't we heard of it? Why haven't the rest of us been used as pawns, as cannon fodder? Because there is one last hellish complication in this story, Dovan. We call it Beetlejuice. Compound 130385. Sir? Don't worry, it's a low-level autonomic response. The ship isn't conscious. Two hours in one Borg science alcove, and you already know how the cube works? Not even close. But if it were conscious, we'd be dead by now. How? Better if you don't think about it, sir. 
Have you worked out what this compound is yet? You can't begin to understand how complex the molecular structure is, sir. According to Federation scientists, provably impossible. This compound cannot exist. Okay, but what's it do? I can only hazard. I think it's a, a neural suppressant of some kind. Suppressant of what? It must be important. Willis has already found two other dispensaries on this level. I don't know. Give me two years in the lab. I gave you two hours and a science alcove. You obviously have a hunch, General. I'm listening. The Borg mentioned that they'd corrected the Bluegill strategic advantage. I wonder if this neural suppressant has something to do with the neural parasites. Well, when I look at it this way, you might be onto something, sir. Assuming the aid region bonds to the cerebral. Oh no. What is it? I need to run this through the Yorktown's computer. What is it? This is preliminary until the Yorktown confirms, but I think it's a vaccine against bluegill infestation. Fantastic! Right? No, this is bad. This is very, very bad. Alan, to roll. Roll here. Bad news, sir. Somebody picked up the Borg signal. We've detected 25 inbound ships all directions. Looks like you're Blue Hill. Sir, can we get the Yorktown out of here without being detected? Afraid not. They've drawn the net too tight. But if we hurry, we can still break out without making on too many at one time. That's not good enough. We'll wrap up here, Captain. Roll out. Isaac, what's gotten into you? My preliminary analysis has been confirmed. Sir, we have to destroy the Yorktown. Destroy the Yorktown? Why? Does it matter? We already knew that both sides were trying to keep the war a secret. We saw that on Nakos, and again when the cube sent out its warning. We didn't know why. Beetlejuice was the explanation. Alex? Must I? <sighs> Months later, we were able to reconstruct the first few days of the war. It began with the bluegill attack along the whole border where the Borg had massed their fleet. The first strike was devastating. An entire unit complex was infested. The Borg lost thousands of light years in territory. The bluegills were confident. They didn't know that this was all according to Borg plan. In such a massive attack, the Borg obtained massive amounts of data. And they did what they do best. They adapted. In the eight years since we discovered it, the Federation's best scientists have been able to synthesize barely a few ounces of Beetlejuice. The Borg were able to develop and deploy it to every member of the Collective within two weeks. This created a problem. There was already a risk that when we found out about the war, we would ally with one side and tip the balance. The Federation is that powerful? Oh, no. No, 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 no. The Federation's involvement is immaterial. The concern is that all free species in the galaxy might join one side. The Federation, the Romulans, the Dominion, the Hyrogen, the Peth, the Brintari. Combined, we might be enough to affect the war. But it wasn't a serious concern at first. The odds of the entire galaxy agreeing to join one side were nil. Especially because no one else in the galaxy wants this war to end. Beetlejuice changed that. How? If the Borg and the Bluegills approached you for an alliance, and the Borg offered to give you a substance that would make you immune to the Bluegills, which side would you join? Beetlejuice made it irrational to ally with the Bluegills. If word of the war got out, it would pit the whole galaxy against them. 
a mortal threat. Which would seem to give the Borg a good reason to get the word out. We'd have no choice but to be on their side, even if it meant assimilation as soon as the war ended. Only they didn't. When you got to them in the cube, the Borg were just as worried about secrecy as the Bluegills. Yes, the Borg do have plans to seek an alliance. If the war turns against them, they'd give our troops Beetlejuice and keep it from our civilian populations. But they're afraid we'd one day be able to reverse engineer it, manufacture it ourselves. We'd give it to everyone. Then the Bluegills would have no reason to attack us, and we'd have no reason to fight them. We'd turn on the Borg and exterminate them. Their own version of the Sword of Damocles. But the whole analysis is wrong. We do know about the war, and we haven't joined a side. Have we? Not officially. But we have gone on many dangerous missions in order to preserve our advantage in the war. We have had a serious effect, as have a number of very brave Jem'Hadar who joined us. This is the fundamental horror of the Sword of Damocles, Dovan. As long as the status quo continues, we are safe. We can preserve that balance, maybe for 50 years, maybe 150, but eventually the war will end and we will all be killed or enslaved. But today the Bluegills found out what we know. Today you, Captain Alker Dovan, have broken the secrecy that holds the entire status quo together. You've accelerated the sword. You've thrust us into the middle of this war, and no matter what we do, they'll destroy us, either as combatants or on a victory lap around the galaxy. God forbid we join the winning side. When the two Blue Guild cruisers we're chasing get back to their base on Gavinon, they're going to inform the king. A council of kings will be called. The inescapable conclusion will be reached. Ten weeks after that, a dozen cubes or a hundred battleships, it hardly matters which, will arrive above every world in the Federation. You've undone us, and all the painful sacrifices we've made are meaningless. Sir, just listen to me. I have listened to you, Isaac, and I have made my decision. We are not destroying the Yorktown. What's wrong with my reasoning? We've always wondered about the secrecy, written scenarios to protect it. Compound 13385 explains everything. I agree. This, this juice is the key. If the Yorktown is discovered here, the sword falls and everybody dies. Then what's wrong with my reasoning? The part where we blow up the Yorktown. Willis. Help me get full access to the Yorktown's power systems. Sir, I can't do that, sir. Willis, if he attempts to destroy the Yorktown, I order you to stop him. Sir, if what he says is true about the entire Federation, I'm afraid I can't do that either, sir. Roll to Yorktown. Captain Allen, come in. You're too late. I've disabled their communication systems. They don't know. It would be mercifully quick. Isaac? It was one thing when we poisoned the Great Link. They were the enemy. The Yorktown is our people. If you do this, you're turning your back on your sister and everything she stood for. If I don't do this, the Federation is over, and everything Trila stood for is as dust. What would she have done? She would have allowed that to happen. And you? I have a theory I've been working on, General. My theory is that for every bright-eyed idealist in the universe signing treaties and making discoveries and inspiring children, there has to be someone else, someone in the shadows who does terrible things so the treaties and the discoveries and the smiling children endure. 
And I believe that's a price worth paying. For the universe to be lit up by one, Trila Scott is worth a hundred monsters like me protecting her legacy. I've armed the Yorktown self-destruct. Isaac, you've never disobeyed an order. Then order me to do what I have to do. Give the word, General. The word is no. I am therefore going anyway. There's going to be hell to pay, Isaac. Assuming we even make it back to Federation space. If they don't send me to prison, they're going to strip my rank and kick me out of the Corps. I'll end up a junior lieutenant somewhere. No. You're not. It's the consequence for my actions, sir. And I'm not sorry for what I did. You're not going to be demoted, Isaac. Because as of this moment, you didn't destroy the Yorktown. I didn't? No. I did. You tried to stop me. But I was too fast. Sir, I can't allow you to- Isaac, you just killed a thousand of our own officers. You can do whatever the hell you choose. I thought I was ruthless, Isaac. I thought after the Dominion War, there was no line I wouldn't cross. But I was wrong. You've set a course for us today. Not just us. Not just Starfleet. The whole galaxy has to follow the path you've started. If the Federation is going to survive on this path, it is going to need someone ruthless to lead our defense. We need you, Isaac Brahms. Everyone needs you. Lead the way. And you've done one hell of a job ever since, haven't you, Isaac? Do not mock me, sir. How many more have you killed, Brahms? How are you any different from them? Oh, now who's arguing cliches, Dovan? Face it, you've caused more deaths in one day than I caused in a lifetime. And for what? To satisfy your curiosity. I'm out here because Captain Rachel Cortez told me on her deathbed that I needed to be out here. That you were wrong about everything. Well, Dovan, am I? Have you seen anything different from what I've told you? Anything to suggest that Cortez's warning was anything more than a drug-addled piece of delirium? Have you? Have you? We're done here. So we are. Yubari. Sir? Throw him in the brig. What? You can't do that! I beg to differ, Brahms. That's an order, Lieutenant. Yes, sir. Mr. Brahms, if you'll come with me. This solves nothing, Dovan. It gets you out of my sight, Brahms. It's a start. Mr. Rawl, get down to engineering and help Chief Adow stoke the warp engines. We have to catch those bluegills before they can report back to their base. Thank goodness for this ion storm. Or they'd have already sent out a signal. Sir, I should be in that brig with Isaac. Dismissed, Lieutenant. Or whatever you are now. Yes, sir. 
What do you think? I think... I've killed everyone. In that episode of Star Trek Excelsior, Joshua Underwood was played by Gareth Boley, Ryan Willis was Chris Bainbridge, Rachel Cortez, Elise Crowick, Trila Brom Scott, Esther Speck, Young Isaac Brahms, Andreas Bain, Mr. Brahms, Stephen Haney, Leo Amara, Alistair Stewart, Caxton, John Lingard, Captain Allen, Clay Duggar, Archaeologist John Speck, Survivor, Robert Haddon, Tikala and Maloney, Operations, William Smagata, Tactical, James Smagata, Starfleet Officers Nick Bruch, Mark Shepard and Gary Cobalt, Secretary James Haney, Computer Caitlin Haney, Voice of the Borg, a collective effort, Narrator Mike Hennessy, Executive Produced and Written for Audio by James Haney, Co-Produced by Mike Hennessy, Consulting Producer Carla Bandera, Post-Production by Gary Cobalt, James Smagata, Mike Hennessy, Anthony Schaefer, Andy Thompson, Russell Tillery and James Haney, Artwork by Caitlin Ferreira. Original music by Samuel Gillis. Additional music credits are available at StarshipExcelsior.com. Special thanks to Michael Hudson, Baxter Turnham, Emily Potter, Teresa Haddon, Michael Blaze, The Excelsior Role-Playing Game, Bravo Fleet, and Gene Roddenberry. No infringement is intended against Star Trek, which remains the property of CBS Paramount Television. This episode featured audio clips from Star Trek The Next Generation Seasons 1, 2, and 3. This has been an Excelsior production.